I'm Mohamed Fiki, the founder and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods. Uh, thanks for coming in. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I know you just opened a, a new location at Union Station. Yes. Yesterday? Yesterday was Yesterday? the grand opening for the whole food court. And we've been very excited about it. It's great locations, I think. Uh, we love to be part of changing the food and the culinary image in all these uh, places like Union Station and airports yeah. where people usually suffer to find healthy food. Nice. Um, how was how was yesterday? Was it busy? Were people Very excited? Busy. Big lineup. Yeah? Big lineup. And even today, huge lineup. Okay. You're not working behind the counter? Yeah, I do. You, I really? do. I actually do. I didn't <laughs> work in that particular location, but I still do one or two days a week. Yeah? Where I clean table. I work with, with the shawarma guys behind the line. I need to find out where you on work. On the barbecue. <laughs> no, I do a lot of uh, our, I always say more supporters than customers. I, I like to call them supporters of Paramount. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of them have seen me hands-on, really? behind the grill. That is so cool. Yeah, no, it's very good to, for number one, never forget where you came from. W was your first location in Mississauga? Yeah, it's a Crestland, Dixie and Eglinton, behind the police station. Industri <laughs> industrial area, yeah. crazy location. Yeah. People will never, ever think that I can. That, that, that there's something there. Yeah, that you can start a restaurant and actually become popular. I should, I should, I should come visit that. But you come from uh, Beirut, from from Lebanon. I'm Lebanese. Yes. Yeah. Um, how old were you until you came to? Was it 1999 that you came? I arrived to Canada in 1999. 1999. So tell me about. Okay, so there, there's two, there's two versions of Beirut that I have in my head. Um, the the first Beirut, the first version of Beirut that I have <laughs> is without seeing it, and and that's the version of. Um, it's like the Paris of the Middle East. Yes. And then the second version I have is I watched this show. You know this this guy he was with on, he's that chef, who just passed away, not not too long ago. He did this. Uh, he would travel the world. Anthony Bourdain. Yes, and he did a he did a, an episode I think in Beirut, and I have that version of Beirut where. People love it. They live there. But they know it's not the safest place in the world. Yeah, tell, no, uh, tell me about <laughs> your Beirut. Well, I mean, uh, my Beirut is all of the above plus. Okay. So, uh, and that's the true life of a Lebanese uh, person. Uh, and over the last, I would say, uh, 40, 50 years, if it's not more, Beirut is a combination of everything. In mm. the same day when the city or some cities surrounding Beirut were bombed or had problems, there was parties and event happening in the center or in, in the middle of Beirut. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Lebanese are survivors. They like having fun. Yeah. They like having a lot of fun. Yeah. And they party 24 hours. <laughs> so it is Paris of the Middle East. Uh, there is a lot of, there used to be more, much bigger problem before. Okay. So when I was a kid, I was, I lived it during the war of Beirut and Lebanon and mm -hmm. the 1982 and all the issues that Lebanon went through. But at the same time, every time that the bombing stopped, there was always a place where we had time to celebrate, enjoy, go out, uh, party, and do everything. Yeah. And that's the Beirut that I used to remember, uh, visiting Beirut every year and now opening a business in Beirut. Beirut has bigger culinary uh, market than Toronto today. There is so much wow. diverse food, hmm. new concept happening. Uh, they party till morning 5 6 a.m in the morning yeah and they go straight from clubs and events 
to have a breakfast before they go back to bed. So they're back to be the, the Lebanese that I always know <laughs> who they are. Uh, they're entrepreneurs. They're, they have a lot of grit. Mm. Uh, they fight back and not fighting back as fighting, but they fight back for their life, for them to have fun yeah. and for them to, you know, get over the whole humps of negativity and stay positive and enjoy. Huh. What was life like life as a child for you there? What, what, what were you what sports did you play? What things were you interested in? Well, it was always soccer okay. and swimming. Because, you know, Beirut is right on the water, on the Mediterranean. Yeah. So, and soccer, playing soccer in all Arabic countries and European countries. All around the world, right? Yeah, soccer is the most uh, known sport. Yeah. And, you know, it was a life of a Lebanese kid that wanted to grow up and live his life when there was a problem. And your parents always worried about you joining a militia or doing mm. something wrong. But I was very young and I left uh, Lebanon. I was 14. Sorry, 16. 16. And I went to Italy. Okay. And that's where I studied. I studied in Italian university. I did a gemology, geology, then gemology. Okay. So I'm a gemologist that sells shawarma. Look at that. Yeah. One of these days we we'll find, might find like a diamond or a sapphire. Well, in we did on Valentine's Day. Did you really? Yeah. We actually Tell me about that. What did you guys yeah, do? We, we actually put a necklace with a small little pendant of diamond. Yeah. And uh, we picked one customer and we gave it to her as a Valentine gift from Paramount. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, no, but it has nothing to do with being gemologist, though. <laughs> Tell <laughs> um, tell t- what were your what were your parents doing? What was what was their job? My dad always built uh, homes and towers. Okay. So he was he was well off, but yeah, you yeah. know during the war you cannot be well off for long enough, and uh, mm. <laughs> something will happen and change everything. Yeah. But beside the point, I always wanted to build myself on my own. So when I left to Italy, I got a job like everybody else, all the other students. Yeah. And then I got involved in translating because a lot of Middle Eastern oh. uh, business people used to come to Italy to buy suits and perfume mm. and sunglasses for their shops and for their businesses. And they didn't, they have a language barrier problem. Like we all, sure, a lot of sure. us come here and they have that problem. Yeah, yeah. We have that problem. I had this problem. And, uh, you know, so I... I created this little company with a bunch of students in the university wow. that we actually uh, <coughs> get connected and communicate with business people coming to buy merchandise from Italy. Mm-hmm. And we translate uh, for them between them and the factories. So you knew uh, Italian as well? Yes, yes. And I still speak Italian. I, I think I speak Italian better than Arabic if you want to go to the actual <laughs> Italians. Did you learn Italian while you were in Italy or, d- or did you learn it in Beirut? Well, I started by learning it in Beirut at the uh, Cultural Institute. So you knew you were going to go to Yeah, Italy. because my uncle lived in Italy. <coughs> mm, your uncle had a, was, was, in, was in gemology? And no, stuff? no, no, he's a doctor. Okay. He's a doctor in Italy, but I knew I want to go there. I wanted to go somewhere. And usually, you know. You knew you wanted to leave. I wanted to leave because okay. I wanted to have a 10-year plan of my life where I can really decide what to do, mm. <laughs> at least. Because in Lebanon, you couldn't. Yeah. Like in three months, there is school and you can go to university and then you stop for six, seven months. Yeah. And you do nothing. So I decided that I want to go and I want to leave. And definitely my parents that I, w- I preferred that I will go somewhere where one of our, you know, family members uh, sure. is there, which is a little bit easier, Italy. Right? It's yeah. easier and they'll feel better about it. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we and a lot of people still in Canada live with the fact that parents are very important to give you th- their blessing and mm. to continue keeping them happy. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's our important. elderly are very important to us and they're our mentors. We like it or we don't. I yeah. Mean, right? So I I went to Italy and and that's where I finished uh, studying gem- geology. Yeah. And then I studied as gemologist. And huh. then I uh, went uh, for my first uh, job through the university 
for a mentorship program at a jeweler, crazy jeweler, that I always call him my mentor. Yeah. So he used to be a ver very tough on me, and he, he used to make fun of me when I couldn't make a sale or close a sale. Okay. And he used to upset me, but he used to push me, and that's what mentors do. I always say to people, you need mm -hmm. to find a mentor, and usually mentors are not people that you love. You always have mixed feelings about them. Yeah. Right? Because literally, they tell they you push what you, you. They push you. They push you outside your limits and they, yeah. they get you to find out about yourself things that you didn't know you could do or you could achieve and that's what they do and that's what he did to me he he, he most importantly taught me that don't try ever to make a sale thinking mm. long term build a relationship mm -hmm. and you will multiply your profit you multiply the sale but more importantly those relationships will, will will become very important to your life to grow and to and you know i i i think i during while I, while I was building my business, including Piermont, I, 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 I counted so much on building relationships, including mm. with the community, with, yeah. with the people, with the staff, with everybody, right? Mm. Because when, when, when those relations are built, it will never become all about money. It'll become about True. more important things, things with more purpose, meaning. Mm. So people will not leave you just because of a dollar more. And yeah. yeah, and people, including <coughs> landlord, they prefer sometimes to work with us because we're a company with purpose that we do something that's good. So building those relationships and, and to whoever listening and they want to do something uh, in more in their life or change what they're doing or whatever they're doing, I always tell people, you know, social capital is much more important than financial capital. Hmm. Tell, tell me about, you know, where did you learn this idea that you needed to make a long-term plan, like as, as you were getting ready to go to Italy, you know, where did you learn? I, I need to have this long-term vision. I need to have this long-term plan. No, because every time, I mean, I, every time I saw my dad firsthand and I saw a lot of our friends where they start a business and the, the business got, got bombed or, or, or they have to close it down so often because of the problems in the streets. And, the, and I always said, but how do you get something going for yourself if there is no continuity mm. and then i realized that but maybe i cannot hear because this is not working and you know it hurts leaving your country when sure, sure when especially sure. when when that's not what you're used to to do or your country was a great place to be with the american university and a lot of international schools and everything and a lot of fun and your your parents are doing well so it's not an easy change for you and especially when you leave and you know your your family is not 100 percent supportive for supportive for you to leave mm. you know because a lot of people will say look five six million lebanese living there why wouldn't you right sure but you have a dreams oh. and you have a big dream and you want to go after those dreams yeah why geology what what attracted you to that your parents are not doing that your uncle wasn't doing that what, what attracted you to that business? Because I think it's 50-50. 90% of us don't want to just follow our dad, what they do. Okay. Right? <laughs> you want to make so your own route. Yeah, you want to make yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And and the old in the old days, you know, the studies shows that a lot of people tend to become engineer if their dad was an engineer. Yeah. And today, everybody has a lot of choices. And it's a great thing, yes, but it's not sometimes because mm. people get stuck in paralysis by analysis because mm. they they don't know what to do they start checking and checking more and asking a million questions so they don't know what to do for me i always loved the jewelry the, the minerals i always was very like impressed with the way a, a rough stone turned to beautiful diamond and i always say and even i use it sometime when i'm putting pressure on my team i always say pressure makes diamond so you know and they, and they look at me and say but you know this is 
too short time for this. I said, well, uh, let's go. Let's put some pressure and let's make it done because pressure makes diamonds. So, yeah. No, I always loved the jewelry business. I always uh, loved the, uh, the diamond industry and then it expanded to even the watch industry. So, no, I loved what I, what I did and I used to, I love what makes people happy. Food makes people happy. Jewelry makes people happy. Yeah. Not sure about the people buying the jewelry, sure. but usually... <laughs> When you receive it, yeah, yeah. But usually people <laughs> gifted each other a lot at yeah. the stores, and everybody was they were happy, right? Yeah. So I I love that. I love being in a happy business where you provide a service that people makes them happy, mm. and 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 they come to eat to celebrate. They come to eat to celebrate, even sharing a meal together, breaking bread together, or they come to the jewelry store to celebrate a success of selling something, and they want to buy each other a gift. Yeah, so yeah. I like those type of businesses. Interesting. I always say positive smile uh, it changes your life. And did you open your business in in Italy, or did you go back to Beirut? No, actually, it's a longer story. So I kept learning, working with this man until I. Uh, Proved myself, mm -hmm. and uh, then my dad was worried that I will uh, get attached and stay in Italy forever. So sure. he <laughs> pulled me back and he said, "Did you make some money?" I said, "Yeah, I made some money." He said, "Why don't we partner in a jewelry store?" Okay. So we partnered in a jewelry store in Lebanon. That was his way to bring me back, basically. Keep you, yeah. Yeah. So I went back to Beirut, but again, uh, fair, like short enough after we opened the business, another problem. Again, security mm. problems start happening on the streets of Lebanon. But now I am someone that lived seven, eight years in Italy and I'm not used to this ah. and I don't want to deal with this. And yeah. so I, I, I went back and I said, listen, I'll teach my brother everything. Let him do it. I just can't stand it. I, I don't think I can take off with the business like this. Every mm. day we close. Every five days there is a problem. Yeah. And, you know, you're depending, like you're selling very expensive items, but people out there on the street are some of them armed so it's just wasn't what i wanted at all mm. so a friend of mine lived in canada and he always tell, told me come i help me restructure a little bit my company and help me this help me that and just come visit it's beautiful here <coughs> yeah so you know i i came once before i decided to move when did you come what month i was uh, yeah i was horrible 98 in the middle of winter so you came thinking this is that's all there is in Canada, and there was no people it's, on the streets because it's I'm like, too cold. yeah, I'll never forget. I arrived from the airport, there was no one on the streets. Was everything is white, and I'm like, do you guys ski here? And he said, no, because in Lebanon everything is beautiful weather except there is one mountain where there is a ski, there is a snow, and everybody skis there. Yeah. So I thought he's bringing me to a city where everyone skis there, like uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a resort for skiing. But apparently these are the normal streets. So no, I, I came. I liked what I saw. Okay. And what I liked the most, and that's the true, is is uh, coming from Europe and hmm. living through the Iraq War as a as an Arab. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in a university, uh, an Italian university, I, I I was faced with a lot of racism. Hmm. And people won't make a difference between me being Lebanese and Saddam Hussein or Iraq, and I had nothing how to do you, with it. How did you? I mean, you say that with a big smile on your face and you haven't stopped smiling since I met you. I never stopped smiling. H how did you deal with that? Like, how did you deal? Were you always like this? Are you always so positive? Yeah, you deal. I'm not upset at you, by the way. I'm just, I'm curious. Well, how do you deal with people is ignorance? Yeah. With success, with approving <laughs> and showing success and by smiling, yeah. showing everything positive. I always say to the new generation, because I find them too serious, including hmm. sometimes my kids, they're so busy with digital and everything. <laughs> you know, I, I work at 21 hours a day. I still work at 20 hours a day. 
nothing hurt except my jaw. I'm smiling all day long. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you want to, when you walk in a room, wouldn't you want to talk to people that they're smiling over oh, the people? Oh, absolutely. That, but that's why I, 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 I can tell you and I can confirm, smiling all day has opened so many opportunities for me. So many opportunities for me. So, you know, you smile, you stay positive, and you deal with the problems. Like, listen, if you're expecting to go through life unscathed, you're yeah. dreaming. Mm. You know, there is there is the, you know, bang-ups and hang-ups that, you, like Dr. Seuss said. <laughs> you're going to be faced with that. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. But you need to stand up. And that's the only way. And you keep smiling, stay positive, stay passionate. <laughs> grit. I always say grit. <laughs> Perseverance with passion for long term. That's yeah. what you need. And that's what I do. I don't give up. I can't give up. I smile because I know if you persevere and you believe in what you're doing and you love what you're doing, you're yeah. going to get somewhere. There is no way you're going to get somewhere. Just need patience. It's not easy. So your friend ropes you in to coming to Canada yeah. here, here in Toronto? Right here in Toronto. Here in Toronto. Yes, yes, yes. So I come back. Yeah. So I came back. The weather was a bit better. When did you come? June, um, July? I came back in September. September. 1999. Uh, so it's the end of summer. Yeah, which is before. <laughs> but at least as soon as I arrived, it wasn't white, white roads. Fair and enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, um, his office was on uh, Dundas Square. What was your friend doing? What business was uh, he? Jewelry. Jewelry, okay. Yeah. So his office was in Dundas Square. Mm. And it was a very small, tiny office. So he didn't have a big company. But he had a lot of a problem how to put systems in place, uh, restructuring some s the small team he had. and yeah. So he, had, he couldn't leave them at all. So, mm. so I started helping him out. But, you know, when you restructure something for someone else, not for yourself... You can't be there all day long because no. now they respect you more than respect him. Yeah. And now they're reporting to you more than they report to him. Then your exit plan will become possibly a problem for him. Yes. Because they won't like the culture that yeah. he will run it. So you want to make sure that you tell him the culture, but he'll implement it. So what I had, I had a lot of time to kill. So I kept walking around the eating center uh -huh. and looking at all the big jewelry stores with big diamonds and big watches and everything. And I kept walking to this jeweler and asking him if he would give me a job. Oh and wow. he said, no. And I said, why? Oh, you don't have Canadian experience. I said, what is the difference? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the diamonds don't speak language. <laughs> I know the diamonds. I know the, the, the jewelry. I know the gold. And I know how to make a sale. What's your problem? Yeah. Oh, no, you don't have Canadian experience. So he kept refusing me yeah. when I definitely had my education, my, yeah. my master's degree in geology. Oh, my goodness. And the guy would say, no, you don't have enough experience. So I don't know for some reason. And I, I think I work very hard now and for the last... 20 years of my life to tell and hopefully influence Canadian business people. Hopefully I can convince them not to underestimate international experiences and I don't really understand why they think Canadian ex experience is superior over international experience. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and mixing experiences from different <coughs> parts of the world, it just makes us better. I think so. Yeah, it brings us more ideas. Yeah, and yeah. Like Silicon Valley, right? 80% of the people that run and manage Silicon Valley's company are people from uh, yeah outside outside the United States. So yeah. so definitely. So yeah, so he kept saying that. So then I made a decision and I said, um, this is where I want to stay. Yeah. I want to stay. And so I um, applied for a visa mm -hmm. to uh, uh, to stay as a worker. And, uh, and they gave me an extension with a temporary permit. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I had to work. Uh, so first, I was he was helping me with the place. Then he moved me to the air uh, to a basement apartment. Okay. So I went to a shared basement apartment with two guys. 
I lived with two, three. We were three in a basement apartment in a in a house in Jane and Wilson. Mm. And I used to walk to the bus, and it was freezing as soon as October hit in November. And uh, for me to learn the language properly and to learn Canadian customs, I worked at a coffee shop. So they wouldn't give Tim me Hortons. the Tim Hortons. Yeah. So uh, in the beginning, Tim Hortons. Then they wouldn't give me a lot of day shift. Then I worked for coffee time night shift too. Okay. And you know what night shifts at, uh, mm-hmm. at those coffee shops? At a coffee especially time especially. Especially on the Thursday night and Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. So I did work there. I learned a lot of things. Part of it is why Canadians always talk about the weather. <laughs> Every time. I, I start doing that now myself. So. <laughs> but during the day, I kept going to the same poor guy, the same jeweler in the eating center. Asking for a job. I say, hi, I'm Mohammed. I said, Mohammed, I know you. You came here probably 20 times. We don't have work for you. Why don't you have work for me? Yeah. Well, you came la- three days ago. Well, what about if someone got sick? Come on, give me a chance. Until one day I got upset and I said, no, that's it. I'm going to get a job with this guy. I don't know why I wouldn't leave the guy alone. <laughs> Poor guy, probably. <laughs> <laughs> He'll remember me for life. So I said, why don't you hire me for free? Mm-hmm. So he accepted. He of took course. me for free. So I worked for commission? free. Sorry? Commission? Zero. 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 Not even a commission. Zero money. <coughs> so I worked for free in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then three, four months in, I uh, three to four months in. Yeah, still working for free. Oh yeah, but I was working at night at the coffee shop, so I yeah. was sleeping three four hours. That's it. Hmm. And um, so I worked for free, and then uh, La Suisse, uh, a watch company, in the Eaton Center, they, I, I guess, they saw me. They liked what they saw. They sent a couple customers to talk to me. Probably they were hmm. not even customers. Yeah. They came. They op- they offered me a job. I paid a job. Yeah. So I accepted it. Of course. And uh, and then I went to work for La Suisse. And three months after, a woman walked in. And she's looking for a very expensive watch, over $300,000. So I was happy. My eyes were like sure. yeah, cr- going crazy. The commission of that watch would have bought me my first car in Canada. Oh. And uh, so I p- pulled the watch from the showcase. And I put it on her wrist. And the watch doesn't look right. The watch is too small because her wrist was too big. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to tell the woman that her wrist is too big. It's yeah. pretty dangerous to do that. Yes. <laughs> so I said to her that the watch was too small and she should get a midsize. She said, no, that's the, the watch I've been dreaming about. I said, yeah. this watch is not good for you. Yeah. You're not going to wear it. You're not going to like it. And people are going to pay attention that this is not right watch for you. Yeah. Why don't I give you a different one? So I gave her a bigger one, but a cheaper one. Yeah. So I decided at that time to do what I learned in Italy from my mentor that mm-hmm. to do that I think and build a relationship yeah so I did I didn't sell her the watch that would have bought she me came in for, yeah. the commission for my car yeah but I sold her a very expensive watch $160,000 $170,000 watch Jeez. and she left one month after she came back and she offered me a job and she said that she owns several smaller jewelry stores yeah and uh, she would like me to work with her so I said to her, no, mm-hmm. that's a great offer, thank you, but I want partnership. Aha, uh-huh. you didn't just want to work, you wanted a partnership. And she said, are you crazy? I said, yes. And until now, I, I wonder about my audacity of, you know, somebody just arrived to the country yeah, yeah. and just was working like six months before that for free. Yeah. And I'm still pouring double-double and cream and sugar in a coffee shop at night. <laughs> and I'm asking someone to trust me with a partnership in her business. Yeah. 
But she did. She did. She did. Actually, she said, yeah, yeah, I'll give you less salary. Yeah. And I'll give you a small percentage so you won't leave me too. Yeah. So she invested in me. She gave me a chance. And that was, that person, I think, not I think, I'm sure, is one of my mentors too. Because because of people like that, I decided always to give back to the community. Because of people like that, mm. I, I always decided to give a chances and opportunity to other people. Because this is the people who gave me an opportunity. To go from my basement apartment, three, three, three people in one basement apartment, which is I take a pride of those days. They taught me a lot to who I am today. And those people ha- and, and her specifically had helped me to, to be at a level where I can become an entrepreneur and then entrepreneur with a bit of excellence. Yeah. And even the opportunity to, co- to give back because if I stayed within the box of being an employee, I could have been stuck forever there. Sure. Right? So all what you need sometimes is someone to give you that opportunity why why did you ask to be a partner like what was going through your head because i always were you just trying were you just seeing what you could do or yeah and funny sometimes maybe you're you're hungry hmm. and you're not hungry that you need food you're not hungry that you're greedy but you're hungry to prove yourself yeah you're hungry to showcase that no the people that declined me because i didn't have the canadian experience they weren't smarter or they weren't ready to commit longer than I am. Yeah. So I was ready to commit. I was ready to work very hard for her that we make together money. And for her, probably like because she went, spoke to her husband, and they both came back to me for dinner, had a dinner interview kind of with her sure. husband. But probably he told her that, listen, this is a great opportunity for you because this guy is really hungry. Mm-hmm. He wants to prove himself. He's going to work very hard, and he'll never leave you. So that's so great. Yeah. Right? So she, because I had this skin in the game. Yeah, yeah, right. So, and I really didn't want to just stop myself because I really wanted to prove myself. I really wanted to get a real opportunity. And I really didn't just want to be someone that live in a dead end job. I mm. never do. And I always tell people, please don't live in a dead end job you hate and, and, and make a big changes in your life. And, and, and don't wait too long mm. because it's, yeah, and people always worry and, and and worried to lose what they have and they, and no and 99% of those cases are wrong because what you have is what's going to be always available for you hmm. if it's not at this company it's at the next company but what you don't have is yourself you need to really work hard on to run after those dreams yeah. and don't get stuck in the that end the job like a lot of people say a lot of visionaries say you know don't aim low and hit <laughs> Aim high and miss, mm. right? Yeah. And 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 I and I lived it. I lived it myself. And and when I offered her a partnership, I didn't offer. I asked her. I begged for a partnership. Yes. And she said yes. I realized and I, I recognized that this is my life opportunity, and it, I can't mess it up. Yeah. And I I slept. I slept in the car, some nights just to make sure that those stores were perfect, that mm. those. The, the the staff were well trained that that so so it's it's very important that i always say when you want to bring someone to to run your business bring someone that is hungry mm. bring someone that they're really dying to prove themselves their success and to 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 to, to become better in life because they will take your business with them yeah right and your team and the culture what's your, what what happens next so you were you're working with this lady yeah so i worked with her we we, we, we turned it to a very <coughs> successful place we turned it to five uh, uh, jewelry stores mm-hmm. then she had some uh, minor health issues so she said to me listen 
I know you want to run. Why don't I sell you two stores? And I'll keep the other three. My daughters will run them. So I bought two locations from her. And she was very helpful on the way I paid her back the merchandise. Mm -hmm. Like she waited. She gave me. Like she literally like mentored me. And, 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 and gave me my life opportunity to start with. And then one day I was uh, I went to Swatch and uh, to Switzerland to, for a watch show. Okay. And as soon as I land, I saw the Swatch kiosks yeah. in the airport. And that's I, I said I want this for Canada. So I went to uh, Swatch. Wait, so this is before there's Swatch kiosks? Yeah, I, I, I brought all the Swatch kiosks to Canada. Oh my. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the Swatch had only one shop in Square One at the time. Mm -hmm. And they had a store location, no kiosks. Mm -hmm. So I brought the first Swatch kiosk in Sherway Garden. That was, was the first, first, first ever in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then we opened nine in Ontario, two in Montreal. Until, uh, so I walked into Swatch and I told them I want it. And I was no one. And I, I still think, I don't think I'm someone today, but I was no one in the world of business for them to give it to me. Mm -hmm. But again, I, uh, and that was, it's a funny story. I always repeat, uh, they said, no, there's no meeting. You didn't book a meeting. Usually meetings are booked. And I'm so you literally just walked in. Yeah, I walked <laughs> in. And, uh, yeah, and I always say to people, I mean, don't ask for a permission. <laughs> Kick the door and walk in and ask. <laughs> you know, and if you 90% of asking for permission, it's going to be no. Mm -hmm. People tend easily to say no. Instead. Yeah. So I was on the phone and the one of the, uh, the, the top executive of Swatch, and I'll never forget wearing three watches on each arm. And... Uh, he had some people surrounding him all the time. I couldn't even reach him. So apparently he's going to the washroom with a cigar in his hand. And I'm speaking in Lebanese. So he hit me on my shoulder. He said, you're a Lebanese. You guys are troublemakers. So he's joking with me. Okay. Right? So apparently <coughs> he is originally Lebanese. Mm. So I turned around and I saw the six watches. I said, I hope you can get on time to any meeting with that many watches mm -hmm. in your arms. So I was joking back with him. Right? So he didn't take it easily. So he, in the way back, he said... Come, come, come. I want to talk to you. So he pulled me. And this is the man I was dying to meet. Yeah. Right? So I said, I want to swatch for Canada. Yeah. For the swatch kiosk. He was like, no, yes. I said, listen, if you want to make, if you want to give it to someone that will bring you money, mm -hmm. I'll be the guy. Yeah. So bottom line, we landed. He sent me to the Canadian swatch dealers. Yeah. And I uh, sat down with, the, uh, with his team here. And I convinced them. I'm sure he had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I took some contract of building Swatch Kiosk for Canada. Yeah. And I resold them the company after. And um, so I'm, I've been always all my life in the business of selling businesses. Yeah. And uh, while I was doing that, a friend of mine fell short on some money while he was building a home for business. So I actually asked him if I can partner with him, give him very small money, borrowed some. Yeah. And partnered with him on building a house in yeah. Mississauga. Yeah. And as soon as the house finished and the people moved in, it leaked on their head because we didn't know both what we were doing. <laughs> so again, knowing what I know in customer service, yeah. I took them, put them in hotel, fixed the leak, yeah. cleaned the furniture. Yeah. And the owner of that house today, he's still my best friend. Me and him partner and we build over 50 homes in Mississauga. You're a home builder too. As well. Yeah. Multi-million home builder. And uh, so while I was building homes... Again, he was the <laughs> money partner more. Mm. I don't know what I was because I didn't know how to build and I didn't have the money. Sure. <laughs> so but I was the manager of the site more than anything oh, else. Okay. But, but I was his partner. And slowly, slowly, we grow it to a 50-50 partnership mm. on building home. 
And we got some media press about uh, a house we built. And one day my wife called me and she said, there is a couple coming to visit us tonight. Would you go for, can you go buy some baklava? Mm-hmm. so we can treat them for something Lebanese. So I said, okay, well, why don't we buy a French cake? And she said, that's not Lebanese. We need to treat <laughs> them something. So I said, that's fine. So she sent me to this uh, place on Dixie. She said, you go all the way north on Dixie. Before, but after BMW, there is a police station. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you turn left by the police station. It's all industrial area. A lot of tow trucks. I'm like, okay. she getting me killed or something? <laughs> right? And there is a restaurant. Yeah called Paramount. Mm. said, okay. So I off my way to there and uh, started driving. And I got there and I said, honey, I can't find it. And she said, keep going. It's a white sign, you know, yeah. but has the best baklava now. So I walked in. The place didn't look like the name. It <laughs> really it had nothing Paramount about it. <laughs> There's nothing Paramount about it. Yeah. So I walked in and the place was white wall, orange door and windows. And as soon as I walked to the guy and he says, to me, oh, I I think you're the Lebanese guy that built this house and it was on the newspaper. I said, yes. He said, would you lend me $250,000? Just like that. Like that. I don't know where. He's like you. He's worse. <laughs> He's worse than you. <laughs> I said, listen, I just want baklava. <laughs> I'm here for a kilo of baklava. Forget it. He said, listen, if you don't, by Thursday, they will shut me down. Mm-hmm. And me and 30 chefs and their family will be shipped back home. Yeah. Because we live here, we're resident, we're citizen, uh, we have our residency on the business. Mm. So I said, listen, that's my card. Can I get a kilo of baklava and go? <laughs> you know one of those things that you give him your card? Yeah. You're hoping he loses it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, or he doesn't even call you. Yeah. You know one of those calls for duty that you wish you didn't, <laughs> you were not presented with, but you can't yeah. get away from? Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. I'm driving back home and I'm say, I'm driving on my way with a kilo baklava happy that almost costed me quarter million dollar. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, wasn't that me? That was me that I begged mm. for an opportunity of partnership with this lady. Yeah. And now that I am able to go borrow money for him or, or give him some of what I have, right? Yeah. So maybe I, I, I should find a way to help. Yeah. Right. Luckily, the same day, you know, there was a one of the houses that me and my partner were selling and it, we had a good offer on it. Yeah. So, you know, my wife said, see, there is a sign. I said, yeah, you're just justifying that your kilo <laughs> baklava costing me money. <laughs> so so uh, basically, I called the guy and I said, look, I'm going to help you out. So I helped him out with some money. Mm-hmm. He called me three days after and he said that, that Canada Revenue Agency froze his account with the money in it. Mm-hmm. Because he never paid taxes. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that he needs to pay source deductions and all the. I said, don't move. I'm coming. <laughs> right. So I, I go to see what we can do about my money. Mm-hmm. And I see all the chefs outside. Some of them crying, devastated mm. because they're going to be deported. Yeah. So I realized that moment that that's not what's going to happen. You're getting into the restaurant business. It seems like it. <laughs> I walked in and I asked the guy if he would help me. Yeah. He said, listen, I'll help you a little bit, but I have to go back to Dubai. Yeah. I'm leaving. That's it. I cannot, I don't know how to run business here and yeah. I have another business there. So I put the chefs together. I said, what if we together all? I Man, I don't know how to fry an egg. <laughs> like, literally, I don't. I didn't know how to fry an egg at the time. Yeah. Right? Maybe now a little bit better. But 
So I convinced all of them that we come together and we believe in this and we turn it to a, a good restaurant, Middle Eastern restaurant. And they all bought in because we had no other option. I would sure. have lost my money. They would have lost their residency. Mm -hmm. So it was a situation where now all of us hungry <laughs> for yeah. success. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, in very short time, we turned it to from $40,000 sales a week, uh, a month, to 110000 a week wow. sales in very short time by pampering the customer, giving them food, be smiley, be generous. We didn't know what the heck we were doing with numbers. We were losing money, but the sales were high. Mm -hmm. Until I got involved some consultant to teach me the ah. the, 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 math the math of the <laughs> how to make money. Like you're making yeah. sales, but <laughs> you're dripping more than what you're making. Yeah, yeah. And that's the bottom line. Hmm. And people in business need to understand. They always need a positive bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Even if they are very charitable, even if they're very nice. Very nice does not maintain the business. Yeah, yeah. Very charitable does not maintain the business. You still need to so, take care Yeah, of and a lot of people think, ah, oh, you know, Mohammed does this. No, no. We start giving back to the community when we mm. didn't have money. But having a bottom line, having a profitable business is the bottom line and what's important. Yeah. You need to have a positive bottom line. So I brought consultant and they taught me the math and the art of the restaurant industry and the food cost and the labor cost and all this until we became a profitable. Mm -hmm. And today, like yesterday, was our 69th loc location. Mm. We're global <laughs> in seven countries, over 2,500 employees under the roof of Paramount. And in 11 years, so, you know, again, another example of the great opportunity available to all of us in this country. And, you know, the, the opportunities out there is people a lot of people say ask me you're lucky what do you do people hmm. blame it on luck hmm. i always say no you have to be courageous yeah you have to be able to jump on opportunity but more even before you need to be able to recognize mm -hmm. that there is an opportunity a lot of people gets opportunity in front of them they don't see it mm -hmm. and then second you need to be able to jump on the take that chance take that opportunity that comes your way because we all are presented with opportunity it just depends if you want to see it and if you want to take it on mm. right so don't blame it on chance a lot of people man what do you do for a living yeah i don't sell anything but shawarma <laughs> so <laughs> so when you had that first restaurant where you you still had the home building was going business. slowly yeah but you were out of jewelry yeah yeah at the time okay. I was out. yeah and today just the uh, the food business. No, I do have other businesses. I'm okay. involved in other businesses. What else do you do? Uh, we do building of some uh, homes. Okay. And I'm involved in a roofing company as well. Okay. In southwestern Ontario, one of the most successful ones. Yeah. So no, I uh, we diversify. Interesting. Um, tell me about the Hershey Center deal. Actually, no, it's not the Hershey Center anymore. That's Is why it? I smiled. The Paramount Center. Yeah. Um, Tell me about that. That's, yeah. Tell me about like, how did that come about? Why was it important, um, for for you for your brand for the restaurant? Well, I'm not sure. It's only <coughs> for the brand. I think is okay. Is is. I look at things with much bigger picture, hmm. and and I'm sure, a lot of us do. Some people talk about it. Others just think about it. Yeah. And, I look at it that. The Hershey Center turning to Paramount Fan Food Center did not only make me or m one community better. It made even Mrs. Saga more inclusive. 
mm. as a city. And I always say Mississauga is inclusive. Yeah. It makes it made Canada better because it's an opportunity where a new company built yeah. by a newcomer yeah. from a minority will put his name and the name of his company and his community on such a great building. Yeah. And such a big building where children and kids play and they grow inside and sport is played and families come together. Yeah. It's very important for me. Mm. I cried when I put up that, that, mm. that sign. Of course, yeah. you know, for me to come here with nothing in my pocket, live yeah. in a basement apartment and put my sign and see my sign and people tweeting. That on a hockey, on a hockey yeah, building. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody coming from <laughs> Lebanon on a hockey building. Yes. And, you know, seeing seeing people tweeting that Duke are coming to play at the Paramount Fine Food Center. It's just, you know, and even when the announcers are saying, welcome to the Paramount Fine Food Center, it hits my heart every yeah. time. And I, I'm, I'm wondering how many time I need before it stops, right? Yeah. I just think that it has a lot of meaning. It has, it sends a big message. It sends another message of how big the opportunity is available. Hmm. And I think everyone in the street say the limit is the sky. I think with the Paramount Fine Food Center, we went beyond the sky limit. And I think the opportunity is bigger for all of us. And, and yeah, Mississauga is inclusive. Earlier this spring, you uh, were honored by Ryerson. Yeah. With an honorary doctorate. Um, what did that mean to you? The world. Yeah. It means the world to me because, again, one more Right around the corner from the jewelry store. Yes. And that's very... Look, I mean, I put a location across the street from that jewelry store. Mm-hmm. And I don't cry often. Those are, the, I promise, these are the only twi- two times I cry. Okay. Was the putting the sign beside the jewelry store where people will deny would deny my experience, my education, would yeah. not give me a chance. Does that guy still work there? Do you know? No. He no, does. He does. <laughs> no, the, the jewelry store shut down completely. Okay. But they're great people. They still give me an opportunity to learn. Sure, sure, sure. And that's that's bo- the most important. Hmm. I always say it's never about money. Yeah. It's never about money. People, A lot of people tell me. You always see the positive. Yeah. And, people, yeah. and, and you have to. Yeah. And no, and giving, listen, and, uh, and if you want to set a real example of giving, don't look at the people that cut a check. Giving is not about money. You could, give, you could give your time. You could give back your experience. Yeah. The only way you will not give back is because you don't want to give back. Because mm. people that do not give back because they don't have money, they just don't want to give back. Yeah. Because people that need to get something or that are missing that giving, they, they need experience. They need someone to talk to sometimes. Mm. They need someone to smile to their face. Yeah. They need someone to tell them a positive story. It's not always about giving them money. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm repeating, for whoever is going to listen to this, the only reason why you're not giving back is because you do not want to give back. Yeah. Everything else is excuses. Yeah. And in, in, in business life, excuses are unacceptable. Mm. Right? We, we live at Paramount with 100% responsibility and zero excuses mm. motto. Our motto at Paramount is 100% responsibility, 100% accountability, and zero excuses. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we're, we're responsible of the people. We're responsible of the customer. We're responsible of the staff. We're responsible of our food. And we have zero excuses. Don't tell me that's not my job. I'm an accountant. No. Mm. It's all our job because Paramount is our job. Yeah. If you want to build a company and make it a movement, you need to operate with zero excuses. Yeah. And that's how you do it. And so for me, it's a beautiful story. And I told it, I said it to the president of Ryerson when he called me and said, Mohammed, we would like to honor you if you would accept with a doctorate degree. Yeah. 
I smiled. I said, I have to tell you the story. He said, what? I told him around five years ago, I went to Western University and I want to get a doctorate degree. My mom always wanted me to get a doctorate degree. Mm -hmm. So I went and I wanted a doctorate degree in business. And after I met with the team there, great people. We have a restaurant at Western. Someone from the management called me, said, Mohammed, we know you. You're deeper than paying $40,000 to get a, something to frame on your wall. Mm -hmm. You know, there is nothing we can teach you here in business. Yeah. <laughs> like you've been in business for years, yeah. you know. I mean, do you really want to do this? Would love to get, like, would love to take your money and put you through the doctorate degree course and yeah. everything. So, you know, then I thought about it and I said, no, I'm going to donate the money. Yeah. Because I was almost about to pay for something that I really don't need except putting it on the wall for sure. myself. Yeah. Then I called my mom and I told her, you know, I was planning to do this because I know you want me to get a doctorate degree. But I decided to donate the money. She said, God bless you. And that's fine. And don't mm -hmm. worry about it. I yeah. wanted you to get a doctorate degree <laughs> when you were much younger. Yeah. I said, thanks, mom. I mean, I'm older <laughs> now and all this. And then when Mohammed Lashimi called me and said, we've been a couple of years working about the, on this, but this is a year we're going to give you a doctorate degree. It meant the world for me. Mm. And it meant the world for my children. Because, mm. again, my children were born and all what they know about me is paramount. They were not at the time where I had a master's degree and I worked in the diamond and the jewelry. And for them to see you being honored that way by such a great university, great people, yeah, and definitely Mohammed Lashimi on top of the list, but a lot of great people, always when you see a good leader, a, a good heart leader, you'll find the great people surrounding them. Mm -hmm. And all the team of Ryerson were amazing. The Dean of Engineering, we had dinner together with the whole faculty around a couple of weeks ago. Amazing yeah. people. I learned a lot from them. Huh. So, you know, for them to award you and to get the opportunity to speak to the next generation leaders, 2,400 was 700 students in the room yeah. being graduating and 2,400 people between parents and friends and everything. To be there speaking about your experience and, 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 and changing the life of those future leaders is an honor by itself. Yeah. Beside the framing of you being a doctor. But the funny part, I, w I was getting a doctorate degree with the governor general of Canada. Like, <laughs> how can I complain about being not included? <laughs> like, the, the, governing, the governor general of Canada mm -hmm. and a shawarma guy getting <laughs> a doctorate degree together. You know, yeah. again, another, another one more time. I think with my lifetime, it's proven that it is, is everything possible. It yeah. is definitely. What message did you give the students that, that day? I gave them three messages. Yeah. I gave them some life stories. Mm -hmm. One of them, if you want to live a life with meaning, you need to learn how to stand up and make a difference. Mm -hmm. The second one was, if you want to live a life with significance, when you commit to something, you do it until it hurts. Mm. So, but when you really commit to something, you need to do it until it hurts. And and the third one, that if they really want to make a big difference in the world, they need to show up. They mm. need to show up for their community. They need to show up for their staff. They need to show up for their family. They mm. need to show up for their country. What does that mean, show up? 
show up everywhere show mm. up everywhere be there be mm. there for people mm. be there for your country go to events get involved get involved in, in charity get involved in politics mm. get involved in community events volunteer just show up show up show up show up to <laughs> don't show up to wedding to other people you don't know but show up <laughs> show up to I, I i do i do show up to everything people say how do you do it even my wife asks me sometimes how do you do it how do you show up to all these events mm. because you you want to show up for people you want to show up for people that supported you and that's what you do there's there's so many things that that you've done uh you know a lot of these things are recent i'm just, so just going to go through them and we can talk about them for a couple of minutes or, or longer um tell me about I don't know do you want to talk about Kevin Johnston like like what Yeah, what? I don't have a problem talking okay, about Okay, so anything. so so tell tell me about tell me about what happened there and and how it, I, I I think everything's resolved now. You there there was a suit that you won? No, it's not yet resolved. Okay. Yeah, we won. We won a suit, but Yeah. Uh So he he was he was saying some things that were incorrect. <laughs> there were lies about you from what I understand. Yeah, and much more. I mean, <coughs> there was like things that they actually full of ignorance that there is not unrelated yeah. like if you want to go to Paramount one of the worst thing that he said you have to have raped your wife or somebody else's wife hmm. okay like in real people yeah. conversation what does that even mean yeah <laughs> like, yeah right okay what does it even mean yeah. right and the funny part I don't know the man never yeah. met him before right mm -hmm. so for him out of nowhere just because there was an event at Paramount yeah and I could be a banquet hall like how come he doesn't show up to every banquet hall and do that right mm -hmm. so I'm sure because I'm I'm Muslim and my name is Mohammed yeah so he thought I'm a lo low hanging fruit that he can attack sure. and I will not do anything yeah so you know he said a lot of things that they are offensive and I think they were not offensive to me as a Muslim I think w they were offensive to me as a Canadian mm. because to attack someone just without knowing them based on their religion and not knowing them. A lot of people, I mean, could be from certain religion, but they don't, they, they not necessarily believe something or do something, mm -hmm. right? And the, he just was generalizing and and saying things that, you know, and playing music like Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar behind the scene mm -hmm. and pointing at the restaurant and say the most offensive thing that are unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And I take a pride of being Muslim. Yeah. I take a pride who I am and where I come from. And uh, that doesn't mean that I do not uh, respect every other religion. And and I am very well known to build the bridges with everyone. Yeah, yeah. But for someone to do that, and it's like me teaching my children not to be bullied at school and someone is bullying me publicly. Yeah. And the guy was bullying me basically publicly and we simply asked him for an apology. Yeah. And he didn't want to apologize and he actually doubled doubled on the comments yeah. without knowing me. Like he actually mm. told me that I follow Boko Haram, which is I <laughs> I know where Boko Haram is, but I don't think he does mm -hmm. because Boko Haram has nothing to do with Lebanon where they are. <laughs> like literally, yeah. like things that they don't even make sense. So, you know, uh, like every uh, good citizen I did, uh, I went and I hired a lawyer mm -hmm. because I have the duty to defend my name and my business. Yeah. And definitely I have three boys that they're Canadian Muslim mm -hmm. that they would love to live with their head up, sure. tall, yeah. proud as Canadian Muslims in Canada. Mm -hmm. Right? And the only way we do that, we need to stand up and make a difference. Yeah. 
and apparently people like him have done this previously several times yeah and they were not stopped or pushed back by anyone hmm. so this is was needed and and i had uh, to uh, and i wasn't doing it because i wanted to teach him a lesson for yeah. anyone else no i was doing it because of my family yeah i was doing it because my business that's my business that's my name and my kids mm-hmm. and i had no other option but because we i I, th- i started by asking for an apology yeah but that didn't happen so wait so it's still not resolved yet no we uh we have a uh, couple things going now on the go i'm gonna do like the lady those uh, are things subject to fair enough uh to some uh basically uh confidentiality mm-hmm. but in general it'll be resolved soon yeah good 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 um I was introduced to you through Jen Evans. She was doing a what was she doing? She she was doing a blanket. She was I was going to say she's raising blankets, but she was I think she was collecting blankets, is that right? Or she was she put a call out on Twitter um who can, you know, um open their home to a few homeless people. Yeah, in, she was. In Toronto. Yeah, no. Was I, that is that what do, I can't remember. Yeah, she started uh, before New Year, around four days before New Year. Yeah. Where she put a, uh, out there a tweet saying that the homeless shelters are full, and peop- that's right, that's right. And yeah, people yeah. are on the street. We don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. So I reached out, and I said, "What can we do? How yeah. can I help you?" Yeah. Did you know her? No. You didn't know her. I don't know. And me. you see this? Yeah. No, actually, <coughs> let me correct myself. Yeah. Uh, Suleiman Ahmed, yeah. friend of mine, yeah, yeah. texted me and said, "See this tweet. Yeah, I yeah. know Jen. Yeah, yeah. I said, "Well, reach out to her, please. Yeah. See what we can do." He okay. said, "I'm away. You reach out to her." I said, "Suleiman, introduce us, please." <laughs> so, no, no, I have to give you no know, the credit to where it's due. I think yeah, yeah. all the good deeds should go to Suleiman Ahmed because he started all this. Yeah, yeah. And he he pointed me to the direction of Jen and I started talking to Jen about it. Mm-hmm. So the first day was three, f- three days before New Year Eve mm-hmm. and there was people in the street was minus 38 with the windshield mm-hmm. and she was saying that people could die and they're getting frostbites. So I said, let me know what you can. Mm-hmm. Why, what do we need? So at the time, we did we didn't do any much anything because the city opened the door for a couple more and got resolved for somehow, I think... We didn't do much. But the night of New Year, mm-hmm. she texted me again and she said, at 3 p.m., I brought my family down to the Royal York Hotel to spend the New Year Eve because like, sure. we don't, like, I don't drink and I want to spend it with my kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we booked a nice dinner, mm-hmm. early dinner, so we can spend the, the rest of the evening in our suite, in our yeah. room and just enjoy the time with the boys. Yeah. And um, so I got a call and, you know, 3, 4 p.m., New Year Eve. Mm-hmm. Your family is looking at you. Why are you on your phone? Yeah. And we cut back, back, back and forth messaging until 4, five, four o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I, we realized that there was around 25, 30 people in the street mm-hmm. and the shelters are full and these people possibly could die. Mm-hmm. So I called Ni. Nee, yeah. And I said, Ni, nee, what are you doing? And she said, uh, why? I'm going to a party. It's well, New of Year's course, Eve. she's getting ready. Uh, <laughs> like someone young and, you know, she wants to celebrate New Year Eve. I said, okay, I'm going to talk to you about this. Yeah. I said, that's the story. Can we help? Yeah. And she said, definitely. Yeah. Let's do it. And, you know, you're feeling guilty. You're that crazy CEO calling <laughs> one of your executives to work on a New Year Eve, like yeah. the last hour. 
And then we texted uh, our director of operation and we said, the one, two, three, the problem, what can we do? He said, oh, I'm ready, let's do it. Yeah. Let's cook for them, let's do something for them. Mm. So the team came together as a family, as we always do. <laughs> and we start looking for hotels. Yeah. And we put a lot of them in hotels. We put all of them. The people needed the rooms. We put all of them in hotels. No one was left on the street, thank God. Yeah. Jen Evan did 89% of the work. Yeah. We did nothing beside coordination. Yeah. We didn't get out on the street in the cold. She did. Yeah. And um, we got them in a place. Uh, knee was coordinating uh, <laughs> Uber for medications because a lot of them needed some medication. Wow. We were coordinating food. Mm -hmm. And we continued doing that for five, six, seven days until... We got a call uh, from our great mayor, John Tory. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, it didn't last that long. He called me before, and we were doing the effort of right away the city to take over. Yeah, The staff were very organized from the city as well. They did a great job. Uh, John was following up all the time with me to make sure everything was done properly and the people are not suffering the way they're being moved. And then we moved them back, and that's it. Hmm. You always seem to be jumping in to to help um you mean paying it back it's a debt yeah it's a debt it's a debt i Do came you i came here with nothing if yeah. i leave canada with three thousand dollars mm. i'm a thousand dollar richer mm. right so yeah. it's a debt yeah i came and i got money from this country and i live better you came with nothing and so this is your yeah i, I mean yeah. Uh, and yeah canadian did give me an opportunity an opportunity to succeed. Even you today, if you come to Paramount and you you eat at Paramount, you're supporting me to support other people. Mm. And if we can and will always, hopefully, be where in the position we are, and more we continue growing, more we continue growing to get back. And that's that's my commitment. That's been the DNA of the brand from the start. Mm. And you know, funny, if you talk to my dad about what's the bottom line and what's the most important in business the old days is hey, making yeah. money sure today it has it changed i always talk about the quadruple bottom line okay today it's a time of recruiting talents more than money mm. the world is in a race of who gets bigger and better talents mm. and the only way you can get people support and buy-in is by having a company i always say there. To make the profit, you need three Ps. Mm -hmm. You need a company with purpose. Purpose. So if you have a company with purpose that gives back to the community, mm -hmm. company that the, the people are proud to work in, mm -hmm. it attract not only talent to the company, as well, customer wants to support it. Yeah. Second P is people. Company that looks after people. People, customers, people on the street, people in need people as 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 employee because mm. people wants to work for good people people yeah. wants to work for people that live with a purpose have mm -hmm. meaning in life people wants to work for people that cares and respect other people and planet mm. yes people and talented people wants to work for companies and customer wants to support companies that worries and cares about the planet yeah right the, your supply your takeout supply how do you deal with your garbage how do you deal with your food what like what kind of food you sell? Is it the grass-fed, hormone-free? Well, the sourcing, the feeding, mm. more and more, right? And definitely we, we take a pride of of using the best and most humane way of slaughtering in the world. Mm -hmm. 
which is the halal, and this is the same as the kosher without politi- putting politics in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Kosher and halal slaughter is the same way. Yeah. And it's it's proven by the University of Hanover that it's the least amount of suffering to the animal mm. is by slaughtering that way. Yeah, yeah. Right, definitely. So so the three Ps are again the company with purpose, company that looks after the people, yeah. and company that looks after looks the after planet. The planet. Yeah. And those three together it brings a profit. Brings the profit. And this is the quadruple bottom line. Tell me about the purpose of Paramount. I think it's to prove to the world that uh, newcomers can operate and manage big businesses and that someone that can come from with nothing from the Middle East with a name Mohammed like myself Mm -hmm. could compete globally with a group of people diverse people around the best in the world like we have location that we sometimes compete against Starbucks and against McDonald's and and this is the little us that started out of nowhere. <laughs> but let me tell you, beside me, there is a giant in the market, in the business. Mm-hmm. Like we have people that left McDonald's and Tim Horton and working with Paramount today. Mm. And they make me better. They're much smarter than I am. Mm. They have much bigger experience in the food and beverage. All what I know is maintaining a culture of a family. Yeah. Maintaining a culture of love. But again, 100 slash zero, 100% responsibility and zero excuses. Yeah. So I manage the culture and they manage the business. So how do you, do, you've got how many thousands of people that work under the brand? Over 2,500. So 2,500. So how do you, with, with, a, with a, you know, in seven countries, 2,500 employees, how do you maintain that, that family atmosphere, that family culture? Well, it's all about, I always say, it's all about communication mm. and training. Communicating with people, training, and stay the course. Never forget who you are and where you came from. Yeah. And people tend to forget what made them successful. Mm. And if you never forget what made you successful, what made us successful is me going store by store. Dedicate some time to shake hand of the employee. Yeah. Get my hand dirty and stand beside the dishwasher. Yeah. And I still do it. Yeah. And that culture of them seeing you, watching you, either through social media mm-hmm. or through our newsletter that goes internationally to all our team members, of what we do, again, go back to showing them that, yeah, we are cooking the 23rd of December, coming December, mm-hmm. with the Muslim Welfare Center in a church mm-hmm. to feed the homeless of Region Park. Yeah. And Paramount is cooking. Yeah. So when they see all this, when they see that we're diverse within our hiring, we're diverse with our giving. Mm-hmm. We're diverse with our talents. We're diverse with our supplies. Mm-hmm. We only hire and work with people according to their talent, not their background or their religion or anything. They like that. They take a pride of that. Hmm. I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah. They had the senior trainer of uh, one of the Tim Hortons in Oakville. Mm-hmm. His name is Mike Radway. He's now today with Paramount. When me and Neil did the homeless with Jen Evan, yeah. we were working on the homeless. Uh, he had applied around December 20th for a job. We interviewed him, and he said he'll get back to us because, you know, sure. it's much a smaller company. He's still at Tim Horton. They never fired him yeah, yeah. with the people that they let go when there was a change <coughs> on ownership mm-hmm. or anything. Then he called me right after Christmas, New Year, and after he heard on the news what we did mm. with the homeless. And he said, can I say something to you? I said, please do. He said, my mom called me on a New Year Eve. Mm-hmm. And she asked me what happened with the job with Paramount. Mm-hmm. 
And I told him, why? He said to me, if you're worried about you taking a chance, I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. You go work for that man. Because mm-hmm. if someone leaves his family on the New Year Eve for the homeless of the city, mm-hmm. you really want to work for him. Mm-hmm. That showcased to me, the proved the point that having a company with purpose, having a company where the executive are proud to be part of, and they can go home and number one, justify their hard work. Number two, be proud in front of their children, their mothers, their their daughters, their, their or or vice versa, or 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 the women and that works at Paramount, mm-hmm. that they go to their husbands and fathers and be proud yeah. of what we do and them being part of this. It just makes it a better reason why they want to be part of the company, and mm-hmm. that's what a company with purpose. Our purpose is to continue giving back, being diverse and inclusive in our giving back. Yeah. And uh, send a message that, yes, everything is possible. Newcomer could bring a great ideas. Mm. Newcomers are a great asset to the city. Yeah. That people from different color needs to be on the tables. Mm-hmm. That needs to be on the police boards and city councilor. You know, unfortunately, until today in our beautiful city, hopefully soon and better we'll see that our city councilor, our board of police, our, our member of parliament will look like our streets mm-hmm. by percentage. And yeah, men and women too. Yes, yeah. we want 53% women CEOs in the mm-hmm. country. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, I support it 100%. But we need to include everyone. Yeah. We just need to include everyone. Because if you're not on the table, yes, you're on the menu. <laughs> Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, and people need to be on the table. I'm, I'm going to get to politics in a bit. Are we? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 we have to. <laughs> but I wanted... One, one, of the, um, one of the things... And, and again, we... You know... Y- we're, we're we're both busy. You're you're obviously very very busy. I don't want to say that I'm as as, as busy as you. We we've tried to meet a number of times. So so some of my notes are from the summertime, um, and I, and I think this is something my dad wanted me to talk to you about uh, when he found out that um, that that you were coming into studio was about you hiring. Was it 150 refugees? Syrian yes. refugees. Yes. Yes. Um, my first question was going to be why, but I, I think you've answered the why to, to this, right? This this is who you are. This is in your blood. Um, but t- tell me, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about that process. Tell me about some of these people. Um, I, I'm interested to to know. I don't want to call this an experiment because this is just who you are and what you do. Um, but but tell me about about this about hiring them. Well, I mean. Yes, that's who I am, and that's what I do, and I will always do it. Mm-hmm. And the problem of refugees worldwide is not going to go anywhere. For mm-hmm. the people that believe that we can leave them in the streets of the world, mm-hmm. 36 million people that they have, they fleed their homes. Mm-hmm. They left everything that they care about behind them. Mm-hmm. That we can turn our back and not see it, we're kidding. Mm-hmm. We're joking, and it's going to become a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And I always learned... The only way you resolve a problem by facing the problem. You don't run away from it. Yeah. So I was <laughs> coming downtown Toronto, listening to the radio, and I see this. I heard this lady on the radio attacking the idea of bringing the Syrian refugees and saying so many bad things about refugees and newcomers and immigrants, and and it really hit home for me. It mm-hmm. really, I really felt myself again as an immigrant and newcomer. I felt like I was. The time that we people looked at me up and down and saw how uh, the, my shoes looked and how I looked, mm-hmm. not what I knew and what I studied. 
So I called the radio station, and this time I'm calling as Mohammed Fiki, the founder of Paramount, that people know about some somehow. Yeah. Right. Doesn't mean they like, but sure. They're right. So I called and I said it's, <coughs> and then he said, uh, luckily he was a great friend on the radio and said, oh, Mohammed, the founder of Paramount, one, you know, wants to comment on this, and he. I ask people not to listen to this lady. Mm. I ask them to give them an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I reminded them that those people did not uh, choose to leave their country and their work. Uh, we did a lot of study. You know, uh, I'm the voice of UNHCR for Canada. Yeah. And our studies shows that those people want a job. Mm -hmm. Like when they were asked, all of them, what do you want? If I want to give you something, they didn't say money. They said an opportunity, mm -hmm. a job. Mm -hmm. And when you really scratch the surface with them, they all wanted to go back mm -hmm. because they thought going back would restore their pride. Sure. And that made us almost a slip as Canadian, but we didn't. Mm. Canada did an amazing job with their refugees. Mm -hmm. We did an amazing job because that's Canada that made me who I am. And mm -hmm. that's Canada that accepted me and gave me an opportunity. And I felt I needed to defend it and I needed to correct that person mm -hmm. on the record, and I did. And I asked and I put a shout out to every entrepreneur, every businessman and woman out there to hire them, mm -hmm. give them an opportunity. If we want to talk about the experience, yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah. But was it more difficult than any other entrepreneur experience mm. that you do something new? No, it wasn't. Mm. But people are sensitive when it comes to people, different color, different religion. Sure, People sure. make the problem bigger. Yeah. And their sensitivity level higher. Mm. That means they're not fully accepting. And yet there is a great example of of people that that supported hundreds of families that did much more than I did. So there is the good and bad and I like to talk always about the good. But the Syrian refugees, they came very they came a lot with a lot of skills. Mm -hmm. They're looking for a lot of opportunities. But most importantly, let's try to make or expect them to be heroes. Let's humanize them first. Yeah. Right? Let's give them opportunity as a human. These people, some of them, they've been five, six, seven years without the jobs. Right? Mm -hmm. Without, like, the only way they were able to get food is to line up and fight for it. And, and they were at risk. Like, I just came back two weeks ago and just posted today a video for my visit to the Syrian camps in Lebanon. Oh, you went? I went. as mm -hmm. my second trip. Mm -hmm. And... There is nine years old kids that they're working hard to support a full family. Hmm. Like my, I don't have a nine-year-old kid. I have a four and an eleven. Yeah. And I would probably, I don't know what I would do myself if I even think if about they that. They had to go to work. Right? Yeah. If Karim, my son or your son, twelve years old, yeah, has to support your whole family, like it makes me feel like, why am I wearing this expensive suit? Maybe I should wear something less and give it to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so the experience to me, yeah. Yeah, you needed to invest it in them with some language. But the government was doing that. All what we had to do is to combine two or three of them on one schedule of one person. Mm -hmm. So every one of them will get the opportunity to go to English school. Mm. But them working and mingling and, and mixing with the Canadian staff that we have from all backgrounds mm -hmm. was a great asset for them to feel integrated, accepted, and restore their pride. Mm -hmm. So that experience of adding extra two weeks of training to them, it was good for Paramount. It wasn't good only for them. Mm. 
because they're a great asset to Paramount. I can I can tell you stories about Please people do. with names, and I will. Yeah, that they're today managing multi-million dollar stores in the company. Hmm. Like we have Noor, she was even featured on Global uh, on, the, on on Globe and Mail. Yeah, I actually. Globe and Mail asked me if I want to talk about UNHCR refugee. I said, no, let Noor talk about it. Yeah. She's a refugee herself. Wow. And she came. She's an engineer, <coughs> mm-hmm. right? And I gave Noor as a, an example in my speech to all the engineers in Ryerson when I was uh, graduating mm. uh, for with my doctorate degree. She was an engineer, and she came and she applied for a server job. Yeah. And Noor today, she runs one of our oldest stores we have in Thornhill, Young and uh, Steels. Yes. Very successful. Yeah. She's a store location, multi-million dollar location. Yeah. She managed over 35 staff. Her uh, reviews are very high. And now we'll start training her, hopefully, to move her up again to become a director. Right? And Noor has been here only for a year and something. So these people have are a great asset. Huh. They're loyal. Yeah. They work above and beyond the duty. Hmm. Because they appreciate. And there's no one else can tell you how hard I worked because when I appreciate that lady that gave me an opportunity and so Syrian refugee will do you started a foundation yeah Fakir Foundation tell me about that well I just trying to organize myself (laughs) 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 you know I always say my my motto in life is knowing what you don't know (laughs) and I used to just like definitely always careful who donate to donate to Mm. to because you want to you want to make sure your money is going to the right people Mm-hmm. in every way and every meaning of the word but at the same time it became too much mm-hmm. and there is a way to organize yourself and there is a way to communicate with people that they know best be better than you and by putting a foundation it gives an opportunity as well to give your expertise to other donors that people wants to give money but they really don't have the time to do their sure their their their, their, their due diligences but they trust you. They trust the movements that you 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 back up, mm-hmm. and they'll say, you know what, Mohammed? Instead of us doing it separately, why don't we do it through your foundation? Yeah. And there is a lot of my friends. They call me and say, your director at the foundation. Can she find out about this? Because if it's good, why don't you donate too? Mm-hmm. Or why don't we give you the money to your foundation? And your foundation will partner with them. So it's a good way to organize it. It's a good way to take it to another level stage. Yeah. And partnership, like now we did a partnership with UNHCR yeah. to bring as well, our, my mandate will be to get involved with pushing the private sector. Mm-hmm. Because listen, the government of Canada has done a great job into the uh, family sponsorship. Uh, my friend Ahmed Hussein, the minister, did an amazing job. You know, uh, and they, our prime minister as well, they did an amazing job, all of them. It's about now the private sector because we like it or we don't. They have limited ability and the business people are more innovative and we can move faster. Mm-hmm. We don't have the bureaucracy of a government. Yeah. I'm sure they don't like it in the government, but business people, we have the free hand to do it. Sure. So, you know, so the foundation will give me that stage mm-hmm. and will definitely organize me a little bit better. Like I said, I, I had I had this question up at the top of this page written in the summertime. Running for mayor of Mississauga is what I had. I was going to ask you that in June, July. Obviously, you did not run, but I know you're involved in, in politics. I, I You supported um, the Provincial Liberal Party uh, in the last uh, provincial election. Um 
I don't want to ask you about politics necessarily, but I want to ask you about you getting involved in politics, whether it's a mayor, whether it's a councillor, whether it's premier. I'm sure you've thought, I'm sure people have asked you. Yeah, I didn't think about it. People, people have asked wanna, you about it? Yeah, I want to shove it to my head that, I, <laughs> that I'm going to run for something. Yeah, I'm going to run around the building. That's all what I'm going to run. No, I mean, when they find a ministry of shawarma, I'll be the guy for them. <laughs> no, the truth is that people not used to seeing someone that will do it because of his past life. Hmm. My past life is that I got an opportunity and I got a country that stood by me. Mm-hmm. I got every Canadian that helped me. Mm-hmm. Every person that smiled to me helped me to stay in this country and standing up tall mm-hmm. and proud. So I got involved slowly by giving back. So people justify giving back that there is a reason why you give back. Mm. And there is something out of giving back that I want that I haven't told anybody. Oh, that, that you want something th- out of it. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And then they sometimes even think that, you know, we put it out because of showing off. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that we put it out because I'm not what's important. The cause is what's important. Mm-hmm. And because by putting out... The Quebec Moscow story. Yeah. We turned it from a hundred thousand to four hundred thousand. The Devil's family needed that money. Okay. By putting out sometimes a story on Twitter, we put it out to engage people because people donate sometimes because they want their name added. Yeah. Sometimes people donate because they're jealous. Yeah. And sometimes people donate a lot of time people donate because they really they wanna want help. To. Yeah. And they wanna donate. Mm-hmm. But when there is a problem, mm-hmm. We just need donations. Yeah. And it doesn't matter why people will donate. We just want them to help the people that sure. they're devastated in certain situation. Yeah. So, yeah, we have some time to put it out. As far as politics concerned, mm-hmm. I am not interested to run for politics, but I am interested in the politics of my country. Mm. I am interested in what's happening in our country. I am interested to be a stakeholder or someone that will be involved will push people to vote, to come out and vote, to participate. Mm-hmm. And I am someone that it would like people to get a fair chance, people from different color and for different religion to be sitting on every table. Mm-hmm. And I think our federal government has done a great job on that. There is more work to do, we all know. Yeah. But success is not a straight line. Yeah. It's a complicated spaghetti. <laughs> it's a spiral. <laughs> And there is up and down and takes time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, we're moving the bar. Mm-hmm. We're moving the needle. All of us together as Canadian. And, you know, the opportunity is available for all. But if we all run, who will vote? So I'm one of the people that I <laughs> want to continue voting. Yeah. Right? And no, the answer to that, people are wrong. Mm-hmm. People are mistaken by thinking that what I'm doing is because I want something. I truly want nothing. Mm-hmm. I... I just want to enjoy my life with my children yeah. in this beautiful country of Canada. <laughs> and maybe I want to showcase an example of someone doing something without wanting anything. Yeah. Fair enough. No, that's So what, what, what do you think of... Um, you've spoken highly of the federal government. Um, you've spoken highly of, uh, of, uh, of uh, John Tory, uh, Toronto's mayor. Um, what do you think of the provincial government? What are your thoughts on, on the various things that they're doing? Um... Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I haven't seen yet enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 
I'm definitely I definitely supported the liberal provincial in the election. Mm -hmm. I clearly stated that. Uh, uh, our premier Doug Ford is someone that I know. Mm -hmm. uh, met him several events, several places, and uh, you know, uh, good luck to them. We'll live and see. I mean, definitely it wasn't my choice at the time, and mm -hmm. uh, I usually I'm someone that is loyal. When I stood up and I said uh, my full support to the uh, liberal provincial was uh, uh, almost the last week and a half of the election, yeah, where we knew the results. Yeah, yeah, sure. So no, I actually wanted to showcase. Mm -hmm. that uh, I always say when you want to look for friends, when you want to look for partners, you look for people that will stand by you when there is a problem. Mm -hmm. Right? And I didn't want to send a message that I am one of the people that will flip-flop if there is a win or a lose. It depends on the victory, which side it is. Mm -hmm. Despite that fact, I mean, uh, Ontario spoke and Ontario made their choice. Ontarian made their choice and we'll see. We'll see. Um... Have you been called yet to be on Dragon's Den? Hmm. No, I don't. And I don't think I would accept it. They haven't called you yet? No. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I should be surprised or not surprised. Uh, maybe but I anyways, should. anyways, you're not interested. Maybe, so. maybe I should ask you why, why you would be surprised and why you would be not surprised. I would be surprised that they haven't asked you just because you seem like someone who fits the type of personality or personalities that they like on the show. Is that a compliment or that's no? a compliment. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, I, I guess it depends on who yeah, you're that's thinking. What I say. No, no, no. It's a compliment. <laughs> it was a joke, yeah. It's a compliment. Fair. Yeah. Um, but then you also talked you've you've talked about diversity and, and I know they they've they've been more diverse. But but that would not that would also not surprise me that they haven't asked you. So yeah. So that I'll I'll just leave that. Yeah. I will just I will just leave that there. Um you've worn so many hats, Mohammed. Um whether it's been a, a jeweler, a, a home builder, you know, professionally, um now a a restaurateur. Um is is this what's what's the next 10 years? A while ago you moved to Italy because you're planning your 10 years where, where do you see yourself 10 years I think the next 10 years I definitely continue diversifying Paramount continue growing mm -hmm. and um, diversify <laughs> to other businesses but most importantly I'm start to thinking about the legacy mm. and trying to, to write your my eulogy to see what you're, would you're, be. You're a young man. No, but you know what? If you want to, but that's exactly what you do. You mm -hmm. write it and you see if that's the way you want it. So you're still on time to change it. <laughs> if you don't like what people possibly would say about you. And you know, I, I want to I wanna know exactly what else I can do. What else I can do, hopefully, to bring, to bring us all together. And you know, I like to take the impact worldwide. Like we're opening in UK. Mm. I mean, I would like to do what we did in Canada and UK. Yeah. Which is grow a company where the part of the DNA of the company in the UK is to give back to the community there as well. Mm -hmm. So we can showcase a Canadian company that not only bring in the Canadian business experience as well, the charitable side of it, and and more. I mean, I want to go and take our charitable work to a world stage. Now I start traveling more to camps. Hopefully next will be to Bangladesh mm -hmm. for the Rohingya. I want to definitely put 
forward in front of all our eyes what's happening in Yemen. Hmm. I think, unfortunately, the world is not being fair. <coughs> I think it has to do with the... Uh, it has a lot to do with what's happening in Yemen due to which country is doing it to Yemen. Hmm. And a lot of people are intimidated by money and by... And, and thank God I'm not. So I, I think Yemen is not getting the fair attention from what's happening. I think we are challenged, all of us, to be living at the time where we're witnessing genocide in a, with the Rohingya and in the Yemen mm-hmm. and all what's happening. I just just makes me angry and sad hmm. that there is that little attention on what's happening in Yemen for example yeah. so I want to I want to hopefully if I can uh, play a bigger role on that stage and definitely there is a very important role I need to be I need to be a, a good father but hmm. not only for my three boys I think for much bigger group than my three boys i think mm. i think i think people younger generation are looking are looking at us as an example and everything we do today and all the barrier will break for them they won't need to go through that again it'll become easier for them and me and you and a lot of people that work hard you know we 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 should continue doing what we're doing because that's only simply making it better for for canada but most importantly for us, our families, and the people that we care the most about. Yeah. Mohammed, thank you so much for coming in. No, thank you. Thank you. And listen, uh, it's very important to mention, there is two friends of mine we didn't speak about, Mayor Bonnie Crumbie, the mayor of Mississauga. Sure. That I said I was on a chair of her campaign twice now. And my uh, friend that just got elected uh, mayor of Brampton as well, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Brown. Yeah. I mean, that I've known him for years as well. So... You know, a lot of great people, a lot of great people. That, but again, we need all of us to set an example for the world of inclusivity and compassion. We do. And and yeah, I don't, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of work to be done in Brampton. There's not a lot of work to be done in Missaga. There's not, a, even in the places where the people that they are in the leadership position uh, are friend and we, we, we agree on a lot of things. But we need, it's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. More we push it, more it becomes easy to do and more we get used to do it. And we need to, to, to continue getting that bar up to include everyone in all this position and include women in all the position, more women. And listen, the problem is very close to home. What we see happening across in the United States and in Europe and this attack on immigration and newcomers, mm-hmm. it's much closer to home than we expect. And if we don't all come together, and if we don't all include each other, I <laughs> I always say maybe because I'm a restaurateur and I want to advertise my restaurant, <laughs> but we simply truly should dine more often together. Because when people break a bread, they get... No, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, and we all, listen, I'm sure back home in your country and back home in my country, and here in Canada, people always, they have some great and special meaning about breaking bread together and mm-hmm. sharing a meal together. And people put their agenda aside. They take off their jacket. They put their agenda aside. They put 90% of them put their phone aside. Not these days anymore. <laughs> but, but people will talk from their heart and pay attention to this. And I know you will because you're a very smart man. When you sit down to talk to someone, they have to talk sometime about their family. Because yeah. now they're breaking meal together, breaking bread together. So they feel, I mean, 
they're sharing that comfort mm-hmm. with you. So I think we all simply should break more bread together and share a meal together. Mm-hmm. So we find out what Margaret Mead, the most imp- known anthropologist worldwide, she said that after the longest study in the world, even to islands that they were not exposed to immigration, her study showcased that we all have much more similarities than differences. True. Even the people were not exposed to traveling and immigration and tourism. Mm-hmm. Yet we tend to focus more on our differences because we choose that. And I always say to people, diversity is our is a fact, but inclusion mm. is our choice. The choice is a choice, is not. So we need to understand to focus on how similar we are and how can we make it a strength for Canada. Yes, because it it is our strength. It's not a just a, 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 we give a lip talk to diversity is our strength i think it is Mm -hmm. i definitely believe it is awesome thanks for those words no thank you